You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. God, our Creator, when you speak, there is light and life. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we may listen to one another, speak the truth in love, and bear much fruit in the service of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Last week, we talked about the wise men coming and now continuing the epiphany stories. uh, We'll do talk about the presentation of Jesus, uh, which is in Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 38. If you want, if you've got a Bible and want to read along, I'm reading out of the ESV, and I think uh, most of the ones over there are NIV, but. And I'm going to actually start at 21. And, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So you will remember, when a child was circumcised, the name was given. And John had been told by the angel that Jesus would be his name. Joseph. So, excuse me. So, starting at 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of Moses, um, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolidation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when... The parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For mine eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God, to speak to him and to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, in the first part, it talks about the purification, and it was their purification. Actually, the purification 
that was needed related to Mary only. Uh, and it was 40 days after birth based on Leviticus. And there, let me get over there to it, if I can get to it, yes. It, it, Moses laid out what was to be done as part of a purification process. If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And then she continue for 33 days in the blood of her purifying. So she was coming to do the purification process. Going down further in Leviticus 12, um, shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the temple of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from clean. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. So, the purification was really for Mary. And as it said, they brought, she was to bring a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Well, this is telling us, again, that the humble... Uh, poorness of Joseph and Mary because they couldn't afford a lamb. And so they brought the two birds. And that's what would have been sacrificed for them. But Jesus was with them. Jesus didn't, the child, whether it was male or female, didn't have to come to the temple for the purification process. But they brought Jesus with them. And Part of that could be, if you recall from uh, Samuel, let me see what. Red one. I code my ribbons. I have to get the right one. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, in 1 Samuel verses um, 21 through 22, and you'll recall Hannah was one of two wives. The other wife of uh, Elkton, I believe was his name, had children. And every time they would go to the temple, the other wife would basically make fun, harass, or whatever term you want to uh, use because Hannah had no children. And so Hannah was really tormented because of this. Well, at a point in time, she made a vow actually, to Eli, that if she ever had a child, a son, she would dedicate him to the Lord. So, in uh, 1 Samuel um, chapter 1, starting at um, uh, 25, And they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. 
Well, in essence, that's now what we're seeing with Christ. I mean, obviously, Jesus wasn't being lent to the Lord to serve him, but he was being presented there at the temple as another indication of who this child was. I mean, Mary and Joseph, both between dreams and uh, Joseph would have had and the angel coming into Mary's presence, knew that this child was special. But at this point, being there, it would have been something that would have indicated that this was God's child. This is God's Savior. And it's even pointed out more as we get to Simeon. Um, Because what is happening? He recognizes what is going on. He knows. Now, he had been promised by God that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah, the Lord's Christ. The, you know, he, and it, here again, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord. And he came in the Spirit that day, you know. He had been given this promise for some period of time, but how does he know when to show up? And it's almost like the Magi that we talked about. They knew something had happened in their case. Simeon now knew that this child had been born, and they were bringing him to the temple today, so he needed to be there. So he went, and he knew which parent to, set of parents to go up to. And, you know, you think about it, it says he came up to the parents, and he took the child now. How many of you with a young child that's 40 days old and some stranger walks up to you and takes the child? I mean, what's your reaction going to be? But, you know, here again, Mary and Joseph sent something. They knew that this person was there for a reason. And his reason was, was to tell, um, acknowledge that God's child, the Christ, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. You've now let me see your son, the Messiah, and now I'm, I'm willing. I'm, nope, I'm, it's time for me to depart, and I'm going to be departing in peace because your promise has been fulfilled to me, and your promise, in essence, to all of mankind has been fulfilled. For my eyes have seen your salvation, the Christ, the Messiah, that you have prepared in the presence of all people. So he's saying all people, which starts getting to us a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. So he is, you know, this is one of the first places in the New Testament that is really acknowledging that the Christ is not just for Israel, he's for all of us. That, you know, we are part of Abraham's family, not by blood of what we think of a blood relative, but by the blood of Christ, that that news. And so it's the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. So he is acknowledging what is spoken of in Isaiah about all people. The Christ, the Messiah, was going to come for everyone. So he is helping them see 
what is happening. It's a light. He's ready to depart. He blesses them. And then it, you know, he talks about for the glory of your people, um, you know, the rising of the meek, the humble, and then the downfall of those that are haughty and arrogant. You know, the ones that just poofed off Jesus, so to speak, as he was doing his um, ministry. Uh, that's what he's talking about there. The child was appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. You know, it's, here he is. And this child is there, here again, with his mother during that purification so that if you think about it uh, and looking at Galatians 4.4, 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, Mary, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So, Mary and Joseph have him there. It's a process of, yes, Mary being purified, but it's also the process of Jesus really being presented back to God. The, the man, the human side of Jesus being presented back because it's the first male. And so that's being fulfilled and <clears throat> Simeon is, keeps pointing that out. And so then kind of the harsh thing that he says to uh, Mary, if you will, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. I mean, what happened at the crucifixion? They pierced his side with a sword. Who was there watching? Mary. Mary was there at the foot of the cross or near the foot of the cross. She saw what was happening. And, you know, it prepared her for the agony to the extent she can be prepared for something like this. But here again, Simeon is pointing out something that's going to be happening. And... Uh, you know, particularly uh, all of us as parents, but uh, probably even more so for a woman, to see and sense that your child is being tormented like they are has got to be just overwhelming to you. But Simeon is, is making it, whether Mary fully understood at that point in time, but I think every time something was happening with Jesus, their understanding of what was told to them before Jesus' birth becomes more real by each indication. And then we have Anna. And um, Anna is a person who has been there. She, part of what happens in these verses 36 through 38, she's affirming what Simeon has said. She probably was close by and she heard it. Now, it talks about her, you know, she was a prophetess, so she had been in the temple. It says that, you know, she lived there for years, um, but she probably came and go. She didn't really live there, but she spent a great deal of time praying and fasting day and night. And so, you know, she'd been there a long time, and, you know, her age, depending on how you want to count, um, 
she could have been 84, or she was 84 when her, uh, you know, after her husband died, there were 84 years that she spent at the temple. Well, if that's the case, she's over 100. Because you would have had, you know, young teenager was when they typically got married back then. And so, then married for seven years, and then at the temple for 84, that's a long time. But here again, she had a sense, and a, what her purpose was, was to be praying and waiting. So, whether she was 100 or 84, she spent a long time praying and fasting for what she had the opportunity this day to see. And so she is um, revealing, and God does reveal to his humble servants, you know, what he wants them to hear from, from that continued praying. You know, a lot of times I think we get in a hurry about our prayer. If we don't get an answer in 30 minutes or a week at most, I'm doing something wrong. It takes patience a lot of times. And so we see, even with Simeon, somebody that took the time to pray and to wait, the patience. Um, if you think about it, and this is the one I like to use as an example, and it probably strikes home to all of us a little bit more because it's St. Augustine. He, he made a playboy in his early years look like almost a car boy. He was, but his mother prayed for over 20 years. And he turned his life around. But you think about 20 years of praying the same prayer. Well, that's what Anna, that's what Simeon were doing. They were praying. And they had the patience to wait, knowing that at God's appointed time, they would hear. And so for me, that's as much the lesson is just, have that patience to let God speak when God speaks to you, as opposed to, I need the answer. i got to have it before four in the morning, so if uh, you please hurry up. That's, that's not the way it works. That's not what Anna was there. He prayed, Lord, give me patience, and I want it right now. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's probably as much what the prayer needs to be as the prayer for patience, but... You know, and so she spoke to the people, you know, to who she begins to give thanks to God and to speak to him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is there really all of Israel. It's not just the city there that um, she's speaking about because that's who the, the Christ child the God's Messiah was coming for all of Israel. Of course, as we all know, what they were expecting and what came was a little bit different. Uh, it wasn't a political king they were thinking about. But that's where Christ is presented and in some ways his early ministry starts because you have Simeon and Anna in effect speaking about him in his presence to all those who were in the temple and would listen. You know, today it'd be kind of like the, the people standing on a street corner. And they would have been in the courtyard of the temple. And that's where you would have had a bigger congregation of people that were coming and going that would have had the opportunity to hear this. Any thoughts, comments, questions, insights? Yeah. Does anybody know 
anybody in the world still sacrifice animals? I mean, if they don't believe Jesus has come, they... Well, the, the Jews don't do that anymore as they did in the past, I don't think. But in any sacrifice... I'm sorry? That's because there's no temple. Right. But there may be people in the world doing sacrifices, but it's not to God. It's the pagan sacrifices. Yeah, the syncretism steps in. I said that's where the syncretism steps in. Syncret- where they, you know, one doesn't work, the other will. Yeah. There was another presentation that's a little different than what we normally think of when we talk about the presentation. And it has to do with what are the readings this time, the first Sunday after the Epiphany. And because Epiphany was last Sunday, it kind of, in my mind, makes it a little harder to think through. But in the first Sunday after the Epiphany, we talk about the baptism of Jesus. And in fact, we had a baptism today at 9 o'clock. And that's one of the reasons we usually have a public baptism um, always on the first Sunday after the Epiphany is in some ways, I guess, celebration of that. But Luke doesn't talk about it, but we have it in Matthew, Mark, and John, and and they follow pretty closely. Uh, In Matthew um, 3, we have, uh, starting in 11, it's really not about Jesus, but it's about John. John's preaching in, in starting in verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. And then, now in 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For this it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Something similar in Mark, uh, the first chapter. Um, And here again, starting in 7, it's similar to, He, John, preached, saying, After me comes one who is mightier than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then the actual baptism discussion starting in 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being 
opened and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And then over in John, uh, in verse uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 29 through 34. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. And behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose, purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent him to me to be baptized with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Basically, three similar stories. Um, yeah, it talks about John saying he's not worthy to even untie the sandals. Untying the sandals of when somebody came to your house, that was something even the lowest of the low Jews were not supposed to do. That was for a servant. And so, John is sitting and saying, I'm not worthy. I mean, I'm... I'm I'm Jewish, but I'm not worthy to even do that. I can't do that. Um, you know, Jesus effectively rebukes him and says that, you know, you're here so that I might be revealed. Yeah, so he he is starting, going to start his ministry through this. It's his, his anointment, Christ's anointment, indicating the real start of his ministry. Um if we kind of go through the counting and all, um, Jesus, you know, had been an adult male for some period of time, probably worked as, had a job doing something, but then now the time had come. And so he was following through with what was required by having himself baptized. John was doing that, and it, it sits and says, you know, I myself did not know him. Well, John and Jesus were cousins because Elizabeth and Mary were cousins. So that would have made them some relationship. But if you think about it sometimes, you've known somebody, we all have, that's, you know, your friend, your buddy, your, you know, your best guy friend, your best girlfriend, whatever. And then maybe you're, you go your way, they go their way, but you still may be in contact. And then that person does something noteworthy. And you kind of go, what? Them? So John would have known the person Jesus, but he would not probably have understood, playing together and whatever, that this is actually the Messiah of Christ. This is the person that I'm going to be, in effect, preparing the world for when I'm baptizing. But when Jesus showed up, it wasn't just another person standing in line to be baptized. John was made aware through the dove 
through Jesus saying to him, go through and do it. It's your your job. It needs to fulfill. And so, John did it. John came preaching repentance from our sins. That was the washing, the visible and outward sign. But John said he will come and with fire. You think about it at Pentecost, what was on their heads? Little flames. Now that's not, you know, when we feel the sense of the Holy Spirit coming into us, we may be on fire in our heart, not like heartburn, but just welling up excitement. Um, it, it's, it's different ways that we may feel the presence uh, of the Holy Spirit being with us because the baptism of the Spirit is superior to water. You know, yeah, you can be baptized, and we talk about baptism being an outward and visible sign. But it's the real baptism with the Spirit that brings us into the family. And so John there was, in effect, opening the door for Jesus' ministry to begin. Because what did he do? He started gathering disciples. And so... Two different presentations, different nature. Thoughts? Comments? Questions? Basic question. Yes, ma'am. What, what, what makes epiphany epiphany? What, what is epiphany? And why do we call it that? And why do we celebrate that? Um, it is a comfort that is coming. It is when Jesus would have, in effect, been presented... He was named because the number of days, well, it's really been more than eight. It's 12. But it's presentation of knowing. It's manifested. The word means revealing. And uh, that's the, the, the revealing that came on the, the, the epiphany itself when the the three magi came and basically acknowledged from the Gentile world that here was the Savior of all the world. The, the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh recognizing the three aspects of Christ and what He was. The, uh, the priest, the king, and the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And that came from the Gentile world. And then this week we have from inside the Jewish world, the ultimate inside Jewish world, Simeon in the temple who declares that this baby is the savior for the whole world, the light to reveal God to the Gentiles. And so we have it for going both directions. It's and, and that's the revealing. That's where early in the Gospels, Jesus is revealed to be the Messiah promised to Israel and the savior promised to the entire world through Abraham that is, through Abraham's descendants, by which we all become children of Abraham. As John the Baptist said in one of those, one of those passages, even 
God could even turn these little stones into children of Abraham. And then Jesus said the same thing later. And so don't don't take great comfort in being Jews and children of Abraham because God can make children out of anything. But it is the baptism with the Spirit that makes us the true children, the descendants of Abraham. And that's what was revealed at first in the Epiphany. When you say short answer to Yes. Well that would have been forty days. Oh yeah, his Okay, not the day we call that's twelve days later, but the true epiphany. Yes, ma'am. That's one of those things we need to read the whole word and not just pick out passages. Um, because that can get us into a real pit. Well, next week, John's going to have some other epiphany thoughts that come from other places in the Bible, even going back to Genesis. So thank y'all. The burning bush. See y'all next week. Take care. Thank y'all. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.